And in that bit as well, I've talked about things like metaphor and, you know, what kind of metaphors do you use and how they shape how you see the world? Because I have trained in a an interesting methodology called symbolic modelling, um, which I won't talk about in lots of detail now. But essentially, it's understanding that, you know, often um, by understanding the metaphors we use, we can get a sense of, you know, how we see the world. And if we can shift those metaphors a little, um, we can make a shift quite deep level um so it's 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 quite interesting and i talk about that a little bit in the the book in the world lunch project manager podcast for sunday the 28th of january 2024 this is your host, Nigel Creaser, and today I've got Felicity Dwyer, the connection crafter. Second part, stop again. So I have a number of sponsors, affiliate links um, in the way that it's set up um, that have kindly allowed me to uh, um, share their services really. The first one um, is Mike Lane and Mike runs PM online PM courses and it is a great resource for um, getting those fundamentals of project management uh, trained, reasonably priced uh, and Mike um, presents it in an accessible and um, clear manner. Um, you can check out some of his um, uh, videos on, on his YouTube channel and kind of give you a view of where they are. But um, the, the code for that, if you go to nigelcreaser.com slash online PM courses, all, all one word, lowercase, that'll redirect you to it. Um, there's varying different levels that you can um, buy. You can buy individual courses, you can buy pathways as well if you like um, and I get a kickback off those uh, Mike kindly uh, shares me that so um, if you do jump on and use it I hope you find it really useful um, I think he has money back guarantees and things like that as well so there's a very limited risk um, on that so uh, jump on that and that again it's nigelcreaser.com slash online pm courses and enjoy can be tricky on email i mean i think a few things on email i think this could be helpful on email you can look at the style of someone's yeah, communication yeah. and yeah. Um, i know that if someone writes a very direct email i'm not going to write back with oh hi how was your weekend you know i'll reply in kind whereas if someone starts with more of a sort of friendly like oh i hope you you know i'll, I'll tend to mirror back a bit how people write yeah. Um, yeah. i completely agree with you about picking up the phone if you've got a difficult conversation or if there's something that you're really not sure about it's it is far better to, to pick up the phone and the other thing that's really helpful is if you if you are angry or riled up by by an email, do not send it. You might type an angry reply of just trying to get everything out of your head, but do not send it. You know, sleep on it or at least come back to it after you've had a cup of tea. And uh, yeah, I've got a few in my drafts it. folder. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not worth building on conflict. And if you can see conflict to starting, because of course it does, however careful you are, things can. Yeah. But if you see conflict has, has started, then you know have a have a conversation about it at that stage because if you if 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 you're prepared to intervene early and think okay I think um you know there's some misunderstanding here shall we just have a chat about this at an earlier stage it just stops it 
it just stops it um, becoming too huge. And it, it, you, you may never agree, but at least you've got the respect of saying to the other person, um, you know, let's see if we can work work this out. And I think respect is is really important within a team. And um, something I like, I'm quite influenced as well, and I've trained with um, Nancy Klein in the work Time to Think. I don't know if you've come across Time to Think in the thinking environment. Um, I think it's really, really helpful for, um, you know, just for meetings um, in particular. A lot, a lot of her work is based around uh, around meetings and how you how you work with people. And the thinking environment is essentially um, a set of components or principles um, that help encourage thinking. And um, essentially, let's take meetings as an example. Um, her argument is whatever the purpose of the meeting, and of course, you know, many and varied fundamentally something you want in all meetings is people to think you know even if it's just a quick briefing meeting you want people to be engaging with what you're asking them to do but if it's a meeting that's about you know discussing ideas or potentially um where you've got disagreements people seeing things differently you want to create an environment where as far as possible people bring their best thinking to the table Um, i'm not going to run through all the components but it's things like part of it is attention it's giving people you know the quality of your attention which is the really listening Um, another component that i think is quite helpful is this one of equality and the idea is everybody being equal as thinkers so even in a hierarchical situation where some people have greater decision making power um, for example everybody is capable of thinking for themselves and um, contributing so it's that you know that respect you accord people and um the way you do this in quite practical ways can be things like building rounds into your meetings so everybody's invited to speak um if you've got a just a free for all discussion then um research has shown that you know a minority of people will take up most of the airspace and you know the bigger the group <laughs> the proportionally the 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 smaller number of people who will take up the airspace and things like this so having some sort of ground rules for meetings so that everybody gets a chance to be heard um really important so that's another one um so it's it's yeah it's it's about yeah providing everybody in the team with um a chance to be heard another thing that can be quite helpful i think in a team or is if you feel you've got a bit too much consensus or a bit too much groupthink going on is actually invite different views it's okay we've heard this and this suggestion um, has anyone got a different view so you know proactively inviting different views um you know and again treat views with respect and if it's if it's not helpful it it might not be helpful but somebody has spoken up and contributed so it's it's at least getting different views on the table um it's funny is it's uh... I think, and it, and it's ex, ex, exacerbated with the uh, remoteness of a lot of stuff these days. Is um, you you do that meeting where you have, and I always remember it was always terrible when we used to just have conference call phones, and the people on the end of the phone, um, you forgot about them. Uh, they were not that engaged anyway, and trying to get anything out of people with opinions is quite difficult and then you'll have those quieter individuals and then you'll have the gobby ones like me that are happy to say whatever they think and it's that bringing of those now we're in virtual scenarios you're not looking at someone's eyes yeah you can't if they put the video on even then it's, it's not so and getting those people who 
are a little bit disengaged in that meeting, in that conversation. How do, how, what, what sort of things can you do? I know you can kind of go, right, what's your opinion? What do you think? Have you got anything to add? Um, that's two closed questions, closed questions there, isn't it? It's kind of what, hey, leaving open questions, but it's what, what kind of things would you recommend? Because I, I know it's the creeping death sometimes on like an update call where it's just like, feels like you're pulling teeth to try and get people to to engage with you? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a great question. I think there's a few things. Um, I think firstly, it's about the preparation. Um, and I would say, again, it depends on the context, but good preparation isn't asking people to read masses and masses of stuff because um, quite likely half the people won't have done it and people no. weren't on the same page. But I think that something's really useful in preparation is thinking about what the questions that we're going to ask so that people have got a chance to think about some of the questions in advance. Um, in fact, one of Nancy Klein's tips is to to, to phrase the agenda items in the form of questions um, that we're going to answer. Yeah. I think when it comes to agendas as well, um, you know, if you've got just a standing agenda that you do every time, it's it can get stale quite quickly or parts of it cannot be relevant. So yeah. really think about what's the purpose of the meeting and therefore what is an agenda and a format that could work. So, you know, if you've fallen into a bit of a habit and you feel like it's not working, you know, t take a step back for the basic. What are we actually trying to do in this meeting? Um, I think a, a couple of things as well. Um, sometimes if you've got maybe a question, give people a couple of minutes to maybe think about it and make some notes um, because that will give the people who, who like a bit more processing, maybe more of the S and C types in a meeting. Um, a bit of time to actually think what they're going to say rather than putting them too much on the spot. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say, you know, if you have got an update round, I think it is, depending on the numbers, of course, I think it's good practice to invite everybody to contribute, but are also okay in some contexts. If people haven't got anything, they could just pass. You know, it's not about pushing people that they have to say something. It's more about making sure that that people aren't overlooked and you're not having a situation where it's always the same, more extrovert people who are contributing and everybody else is not. Um, numbers of people at meetings as well. You know, yeah. what what's the best number? If you've got quite a few things to cover, is it better to have sort of smaller meetings and just have the key people in, in the room or on the call? Um, you know, shorter, sharper meetings are usually usually better than long ones even if you've got a couple of maybe need to split it into a couple yeah. of meetings it's interesting because it's a couple of things you say in there is like I, th I think about the I suppose I look at it and it's again it's kind of trying to do things quickly and easily you, you look around the, the table and you ask it for everyone to give a contribution and one person never contributes say well they've given the opportunity to contribute if they're not engaged and they're not contributing I suppose the thing is, is that needs to be a one-to-one -one conversation with that individual about their contribution, doesn't it? That's what, that's the, the step that I I would have to take is go to each of these people and say, right, I'm concerned that you're not, I'm trying to give you a voice. You're not taking that opportunity to, to uh, have that voice in the meeting. What is it that's stopping you? And it, you know, I suppose that out of the back of that, there could be conflict with someone else it could be even something where well i was shut down once before therefore why bother because john always shuts me down you know what I mean? it, 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 maybe something from 10 years ago <laughs> you never you just don't know do you and um asking that i suppose it's 
spotting that and that consciousness of what's going on and listening and trying to understand yeah. why that person isn't engaging. But again, it's that, and that's the kind of thing is where I think goes back to our first point when we we're talking about that new manager thing of the task, the the team and the, the individual. It's being, if you're focusing on, you've got to have the time to do those interactions with people as a manager. Therefore, you've got to make room to be able to go, oh, I need to go and talk to that person and understand why they're not involved. And if all you're doing is operational and running the business rather than managing the people, that's not going to work, is it? Yeah, it's not. Um, and I think, obviously, one of the barriers to having those one-to-ones can be the idea it might take a lot of time. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, could be quite a short check-in, quick piece of feedback, just, you know, keep it focused on a topic. But just having those one-to-one conversations is, is where you build the relationship, really. And and so I, I think it's definitely worth doing. And it doesn't need to be, you know, a full hour one-to-one every time. It can just be a check-in. And it's the working virtually you know, you don't get some of those, you know, management by walking around type of opportunities. Yeah. Um, so you might need to to create them, um, but just keep it keep it quite brief. And you know, we, we sort of so used, aren't we, to putting meetings in hour or half hour um, sort of slots, but but they don't need to be that long. You could do shorter ones. In fact, it's it's really good to finish meetings before the hour, say, so that people have got they're not going back to back meetings because it's probably partly as well where people don't engage if they just haven't had any time between meetings. So that's another thing as well, thinking, um, you know, it doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be half an hour. It can be, you know, a well, shorter period of time. Yeah. I, I, I see that. I just like, I think it was last year that uh, Outlook, Microsoft, if people use them, Outlook, there was a, a setting you can to put it in there now that it doesn't, default to half hour meetings or 15 minute or hour meetings it knocks five minutes off for every um, one so if you book a half hour meeting it's 25 minutes and the pop-up saying this meeting's going to end in, in five minutes comes at 20 past so if you if you manage it and follow it to that level you do that by default and i've tried starting to before i wasn't there originally but i'm starting to feel um i am more often treating that as a it does end at 25 past rather than at half past uh, and i find that a really useful uh way of trying to do it. i did i did try doing the other way where i was going to start meetings at five minutes later so that people had a chance coming out of other meetings but then everyone with teams pop up saying oh this meeting's time everyone joins early anyway so it's kind of defeating the object um but it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a I think it, that whole thing of getting the team engaged, getting people engaged in meetings, no one wants to be in meetings, but there seems to be more meetings. Um, it, it is a big difficulty for, again, and what you do as a manager, you're trying to go, I don't want my team sat in meetings all day because they won't be able to get any work done. But I need them in meetings to in order for work to get done. And it, you've got that that difficult conundrum. I know there was one where we were at, we don't have four streams of work running and we needed to have a, a, a stand-up. And, and on each of those streams now we can have one big one which lots of people would have had come in and gone or whatever but there were some people who we needed for all of those meetings and they were going to meeting after meeting after meeting but because of their role it was spread across quite a few things to them it felt like they were in meetings all the time but we still needed them there because if they weren't there the teams that needed their expertise wouldn't get that expertise 
but if we tried to do it all in one go, that that meant that we had to bring everyone. Uh, yeah, it's this. It's diff, it's difficult. I don't think it's one answer. It's never going to be perfect, is it? I just and go for it, it. It's not. And it does always come back to what's the purpose of this meeting? Does it need to be a meeting? I mean, sometimes it does. Um, and, and and not losing that, not losing that step, stepping back. Um, yeah. Another meeting that could have been an email kind of conversation. Yeah. But then, but then no one would have read the email. <laughs> That's the problem, or, isn't it? You know, if, if, if they need to provide a piece of information, could they, could you record the first time they do it? And then, yeah essentially play it in future and have people okay any questions we can feed them back and i mean i don't know if that would work i've just come up with it at the top of my head but it's no but you know that, it's always worth thinking creatively about other ways you could do it yeah and i think we do don't take the time to do that do we sometimes it is a case of if you have got um like it's quite often i'll see stuff where it's coming out and they're kind of all hands kind of type things and i'm like can you record it and it gets recorded but it isn't default recorded. Um, but start, some more of them are getting like that now because then I will not go to it because if I don't need to, con- if I'm just consuming, I'm not contributing, I can pull that down. I can run it at 1.5 speed and that information I can gather quicker than I would be if I was on live or I can put it once. In- you, mean, you can do those sort of things where you can speed up the consumption of a lot of stuff um, or with it, with the auto transcription stuff that goes on, yeah. you skim read this transcription, which you can you can skim read a transcription and ten times as fast as you can watch the video, um, and you can go through oh that bit, click play that bit of video, or what that's a bit I need to listen to, um, but I think we're still in that point where we're not quite got all those. Um, just thinking, thinking, I'm looking there with your book in the background there, and we've touched mm-hmm. on it a little bit, um, and we've been going nearly fifty minutes now. Um, Tell us a little bit about what, what, why, why bother writing a book? It's not easy. It's not simple. There's a lot of emotional investment in it and doubt and things like that with every book that we write. Um, so why and what are the benefits in there? Give us a little outline of it, etc. Oh, right. Thank you. Yes. Well, I suppose it, the why, um, wanting to try and pull together, I think, a lot of what I've learned over the years into to one place. So, you know, a, a project that would be quite satisfying, but would also provide a resource. Mm. So it is designed to be quite a practical resource. Um, and I, the, the sort of idea that helped me put it all together was this structure, which uh, I've called, you know, connecting in three dimensions, <laughs> which is um, essentially this idea um, that you start with connecting with yourself. And it's with every, you know, every conversational relationship you have, you know, at work and outside, you know, you are always part of that dynamic. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, you, you are and, and you are the only person who can make a change in yourself and how you react with people. So it starts with really asking you, and this bit of the book's had quite a lot of love actually, this this idea that you um connect with yourself. And I've I've started off with um just connecting with the present moment because when our minds are in the future or the past, you know, we're not there. We're not there with our ourself and how we're reacting in the moment. And I've I've looked at things. I look a little bit about values because I think they're so important. Um, the stories you tell yourself. Um, and in that bit as well, I've talked about things like metaphor and, you know, what kind of metaphors do you use and how they shape 
how you see the world because I have trained in a an interesting methodology called symbolic modeling um which I won't talk about in lot of detail now but essentially it's understanding that you know often um by understanding the metaphors we use we can get a sense of you know how we see the world and if we can shift those metaphors a little um we can make a shift quite deep level um so it's 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 quite interesting and i talk about that a little bit in the the book <laughs> kind, of, kind um, of like self-talk isn't it that sort that sounds a little bit like the fact that the stories that you're telling yourself you're telling others you're yeah. telling yourself huh? sounds like yeah and it's recognizing that they are just stories and um because we, we've talked before, haven't we, on this conversation about self-awareness. And um, I've used the phrase in that, the observing self, which is taken from ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy or acceptance and commitment yeah. training, um, which is an evidence-based um, psychology. Um, but it has, it has you know, some interesting ideas in it. And one of them is this, you know, you can connect with a part of yourself that can kind of observe yourself and say, okay, so I'm thinking that, but that is just, a thought in a way there could be another way of of thinking um so you can have those mindset shifts but you can you can be connected with yourself and you can notice and think um there's this sort of noticing and naming approach okay notice i'm thinking or having the thought that this is a difficult person <laughs> okay i notice i'm having that thought that is just a thought um so what would be a more a more productive thought and when it comes to sort of changing your mindset or thoughts um you know, you need to change it to something that's believable. So it's like, okay, uh, I might not suddenly say, oh, this person is, I love having a conversation with this person because you know it's not true. But you can say, okay, I'm going to prepare for this conversation. I am going to ask myself, you know, what's the best way of communicating this individual based on how I, I've observed? Um, what can I do to make likelihood of success? So, you know, you can you can change the way you think without having to sort of say something that isn't true. You need to... You, you, once you've noticed you're having a thought isn't productive, you can say, okay, what would be a better way to approach this conversation? Yeah. Is this making sense? The, yeah. The, uh, yeah, it does. It does. It, it's kind of that, that, yeah, assumption, get, getting behind your own assumptions, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, and it starts with noticing them. And when you notice that you're thinking in a certain way and you know, it's how you think, but there are other ways of approaching potentially the conversation or other ways of seeing a situation. Um, and of course, one of the ways you can get those different perspectives is by asking people um, in, a, in a two way. But you can also, you know, we all have different parts. We all have, you know, the part of ourselves that can be quite calm and think about something. We also have the part of ourselves that can get quite riled up. So, you know, just just recognising that, you know, be calm and sort of look at what we're doing from that. Just that more observe the observing self, I like that phrase because it yeah. is just that part of us that is a little bit calmer and is not too caught up in in emotions. Um, so it's just taking it's that taking a step back, really. So that's the first aspect. The second part is connecting with. So that's more the interpersonal communication. So I start with listening because I think that's really fundamental. I've got quite a lot on questions and how to ask great open questions. Um you know, a little bit on nonverbal communication. Um, I talk about DISC in that section and how you can adapt your style. So it covers, um, you know, a range of different approaches, but always from this core idea that it's about connecting and listening and treating other people with respect. Um, got a bit on assertiveness too, you know, how can you can step up 
stand, stand up for yourself. And the third part is looking at the networks and communities that you're part of. I've called that connecting beyond. So it's basically, you know, what 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 am I part of that is bigger than me? Um, and on a practical level, that could be things like mapping your network, um, whether the, from that's a career perspective or however you want to do it. So I think for, for project managers and, you know, anyone, it's really useful to think, you know, am I connected with the right people? Am I part of um, worthwhile professional networks? Am I part of networks with people maybe outside my immediate professional se- or sector who could could bring in interesting ideas? Um, you know, have I got enough people that I can actually talk to if things are getting tough? Um, so it's it's thinking about that, really, your support structure and how you contribute, but also how you, you know, what 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 can nurture and support you? And they're all linked. Yeah, that 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 networks um, side of it, um, it kind of draws again to our um, sort of new into roles and the the changed approach where we've got hybrid working in organisations and how um, I've been in my organisation about nineteen years now. I've been in in this in the industry for twenty five years. I've got a lot of connections. I've got a, a wide network, um, both internally to my organisation. I, I know I, I can pick the phone up. Pretty much any situation, I'll find someone who knows someone in my organisation to find out who I need to talk to. But some of uh, the new joiners into the organisation, whether they be new to career or new to the, the organisation itself, don't have that network. And the way they would have built that network is bumping into people at coffee shop bumping into you know at a coffee machine chatting to someone they do know and someone's oh have you met oh that and build that and bumping in that way whereas now you've got to manufacture those uh situations and as a a give point of view from us as that's more experienced and more uh with the wider networks um i took me a while to think i realized why there was any value of me going into the office because i could pick up the phone to anyone get my i can get stuff done without being face to face, because it's a trek and, and so on. But then it, it was pointed out to me it's not it's not about me. Very very rarely is, um, but and it is about the fact that that rest of the organisation we will lose that connectivity, we will lose that sense of belonging, and people will come into the organisation and feel, uh, and any organisation now there is that chance of loneliness, isolation, not feeling part of the the organisation, and then. In all industries and in all businesses, we're going to get that churn of people because we will be seeking that belonging. Because mm-hmm. that's what you do. You want that's it's. We're all um, what they called um, um, uh, a kind of gang clans, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my brain's going on that. Um, we we seek that community, don't we? Um, and if we don't find it, we'll you you'll fi- try and find it somewhere else. Whereas it used to be, you'd end up going to work, you'd work with people, you work with your team, and that becomes your community for good and for bad, but it becomes that community. And then there's a bit of a wider community, but, wider. but that, that first community is much harder to do. Um, and I, I, I've seen it since, since COVID, that creation of those communities where you've changed organisation, moved the organisation around, put some new people together in a new team, it's taken much longer to get them feeling like they're a team working together yeah yeah so that I networks is amazing it's really interesting and you know 
it thinks back to psychological safety as well this idea of belonging um and you know feeling excluded not feeling part of something can in some ways be be as painful as, as physical pain we really do we are social beings we really need to feel part of something and so for a, a project management team lead and it's really important to help people feel part of a team and you know I just think a few things I mean I think bringing people together even if it's not day-to-day if people don't need to be you know face-to-face day-to-day um something that I personally think with, with you know just coming from the perspective of someone who's been involved in training is that actually some good training courses as a really good way to bring people together because yeah. you're learning together and people love it i've i've found you know i mean i do a lot of my work online now but people still want me to come in and deliver a course because they like getting together they like the opportunity to to learn and have conversations and almost again taking that step back i mean this is a bit of a theme as well whether it's about meetings or whether it's about your own thinking taking that step back out of the day-to-day and and and, and working on you know, challenges or problems, whatever the topic of the the training is, but applying that to to work. So, you know, how how might this model, you know, help me to manage the situation better? And I think that that can be really helpful. The other thing I would say, you know, even if you've got, say, team meetings that are group meetings, um, can you use the breakout rooms and actually have some one-to-one conversations or, you know, three-way conversations in those as well? Because, um, if it's all in a big group, some people get a bit lost. But if you can have some breakouts, you know, it's surprising. Even if you just, you know, five to ten minutes to get maybe two or three people to talk about something as a as a small group, which you might do in a training course, but you can use similar techniques in, in meetings as well. It just helps people, um, yeah, to, to, to start to get to know people. And, yeah. and, and, and so I think one of the things you really need to be doing and asking yourself as, as a team leader as well is how can I help people feel connected to to the different people in the team, the different individuals um, and, you know, trying to build in, um, you know, ways to do that, that are also productive and linked to, to work as well. You know, it doesn't have to be a completely separate team away day that, you know, people can be a bit cynical about those. It's more about how can I find ways to build that in that are also working towards the task, but they're yeah. also working towards the individual development and the team dynamic. You can kind of get all yeah, keeping that model in mind as, you know, but but what what will help develop all three at the same time? Yeah, I'd, I'd like, like that. And it's, it's, as you say, that face-to-face training thing, I've always found that I really, I'm, I'm one of these people that surprisingly enough, um, when, when it's a face-to-face training thing, I like being there. I like sitting near the front. I like getting involved. I'm annoying to the instructor usually because I'm quips and chat, you know, jabbering away. Um, and But I find the energy in the room of something like that gives me energy. It re-energizes me. It gives you that breakaway. And and I am a person who goes um, all in in those scenarios. I'm out of the office. It's very rare that I'll be dealing with stuff going on when I'm on something like that I'll just I'll pick it up later and I see other people who are in between every break they're on the phone in at lunch they've gone off they're eating on and for me that that face-to-face training is more than the thing things you're being taught you learn so much from other people's points of view and then if you've got a team together and you're chatting about the stuff you've gone there that builds those bonds of those teams because they're going, well, I, even if they disagree entirely with the training that's going on, 
they're bonding over that training being different and they're understanding each other more. And I think that is a, it's a fantastic point to make there is having those face to face. And I'm thinking we've got stuff we're thinking about in the future for next year. And it, it it's finding excuses to get everyone together. It's, it's what there and, and it's kind of all rather and, and encouraging people to do that. Now, sometimes you say, well, we're going to do face-to-face. We have to do face-to-face. If you shape the nature of that training to be face-to-face, that means that it wouldn't work virtually. But it's still hard to get people to come in and, and do that because uh, there's always someone who's, again, it's, it's individuals, isn't it, where they go, I'm too busy. I can't take time away from the job. And they can, but they just choose not to really. And they don't, the consequences yeah. of the, they're taking that time away they're not willing to accept i'm just just realizing the clock's just ticked over onto an hour i okay. told you i told you we'd talk for a while didn't i um I, the book obviously those those that those three parts of that book sounds fascinating to be able to give that retro inward thinking that connections for what you need to do in that wider connection i love the way that you've done that I love the, the idea of of compartmentalising those and that give back to the communities and things as well, where, as you say, when you're networking wider and how they influence, but how you can extract, exert influence on those environments as well. Because by exerting something onto those networks, you'll get something back off those. And I've found that myself when you contributed, you get something back. And it's like with being volunteering with the PMI, got some really good friends that from 20 years ago, that just because we were volunteering on PMI and do it, helping run events and things like that. And it's kind of, it is a, um, a, it does feedback in different ways to the way that maybe you, you think it would. But again, it'll feedback negatively on environments that you maybe should choose to step away from uh, or limit your exposure to. But thinking about all, all that in the book and all that sort of thing, was, was there anything that, that, we haven't discussed because obviously there's rabbit holes we've gone down um, that uh, that you would have liked to have mentioned either about the book or about the things that you're doing or the um, maybe future events or anything like that. Um, no, I, I feel we've, we we have covered quite a lot. I mean, my my core message, I think, when it comes to interpersonal communication is about that that connecting connecting with people so it's yes you've got some kind of message you want to um, communicate and it may be task focused but actually taking a bit of time to connect with somebody to listen to um to understand so i I, i've mentioned that before but that that i suppose is my my core message um you know particularly if you're very task focused clearly we're all at work to complete task you know deliver the project whatever it might be um but the way you do that is actually to develop your ability to connect work with the people that are on the project and that's you know that that fundamentally is what will contribute to this success once you're a manager what matters is your ability to work with people and the starting point for that is understanding yourself and being open to what others are Brilliant. Had to contribute. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah, I just, yeah, that that openness. You say being open is so important, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, if people want to find more information, 
um, uh, carry on the conversation, etc. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Okay, I think there's a couple of ways. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite easy to find. Felicity Dwyer. Um, I think that's just my LinkedIn name. Um, so you know, do find me there. Connect with me. Um, maybe mention the the podcast if you if you want to connect. Um, the other thing, uh, I do have my own website, which is um, felicitydwyer.com. So I've got information there about, you know, some of the courses and things that I I offer. Um, I do offer one-to-one coaching as well. Um, and of course, if you're interested in in a book on communication, um, that hopefully is, is, is very practical. It's got sort of practical ideas in every chapter. Um, then Crafting Connection, Transform How You Communicate With Yourself and Others. Obviously, it's on Amazon, but it's on all the other um, online bookshops as well, imprinted and in e-format. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's an easy and inexpensive way to yeah. <laughs> to read some look. of what I've hopefully learned over the years. I'll stick a link in the uh, the show notes uh, for anyone who wants to grab a copy of that anyway. Um, so you should jump along onto that. Um, well, in which case, all I have to say is, Felicity, thank you for a fascinating conversation. Um, and uh, let's uh, we'll no doubt speak again and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day thank you Nigel it's been a pleasure thank you cheers another great sponsor of the show comes in the form of Air Manual Um, Air Manual is a well, it's a tool for documenting process, which um, and best practices. Um, uh, it's run. It's, it's a company formed by a guy, one of my uh, interviewees, uh, Alexis Kingsbury. Um, essentially, uh, and, I, and I kind of summarised why my view of where we see documentation a lot. My experience has been people will document something, a process. They'll put it in a, a visio diagram that gets loaded onto a SharePoint site or something similar. And then a bunch of pro- that. So then, once that, that diagram has been shared with senior management, they're happy. They have a process in the business. But then the, the detailed procedures underneath it might be in Word documents, in, uh, just poorly kept and not linked easily and not updated. And what Air Manual does, it allows you to put in a. It's a tool for doing this kind of thing. You whack it in. Uh, the service in there, get in there, put in your process, your flow, and you build it down to as low a level of detail, even to the point of checklists where people check off they've done it. So it creates that um, uh, guided checklists, um, easy to create, easy to maintain, and all in one place. And no one's kind of rooting around to find the SharePoint, and then when you change to new SharePoint services and all that stuff, it's all there. So if you pop along to nigelpreaser.com slash airmanual, um, there's a bit more detail there and a link there to click on to um, go and get. I think uh, they offer a trial and things like that. So uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's something that I think uh, can easily um, reduce the amount of errors, rework, etc. within our organisation. So um, yeah, take a look. hope you enjoyed the second part of the interview with Felicity. Come back next week for another brilliant guest. See you soon. Bye. So this is my final wrap up. Every week you're going to hear this. You're going to get bored of it. 
but you can always click next podcast if so um if you have enjoyed it if you listen to this podcast to the end of this uh show and you think that was great i'd love to be able to help Nigel. out um there are loads of ways you can do it um the, the first and, and obvious way is to um share the podcast send it out to people um if you if you know colleagues and friends who'd benefit from it you think they'd enjoy it just send them the link grab one of the links or send them to www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts that's www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts and that will push them over to a um a link tree link and it's got all of the different ways they can consume the the podcast uh if you are feeling generous and have a big bag of cash you could grab a copy of one of my books obviously um uh, they're available in all the usual places and print and, and and digital again jump on the website uh shop and that will give you a list of all the different ways that you can contribute um and, and grab copies of the book also got um, links to all my guests books on there as well where i get a little bit of a kickback from them um if you are of a sporting mind um I have a number through doing some of my um, judo and, and running uh, antics. Uh, I've managed to secure a few um, uh, affiliate links and affiliates uh, there as well. So in there, somewhere in the sponsors page, there's links to those as well. So clicking onto those and grabbing uh, your if you're with it if you're looking to uh, get super fit, then that would be fabulous as well. And I get a little kickback from those. Uh, I have a Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash sundaylunchpm. So again, you can ping something in there, buy me a coffee or whatever. And finally, obviously the most important is coming back. Coming back, listen again. um, Because uh, the more of you that come back, uh, the more uh, visibility I get because there's more times that it's downloaded and all the SEO works and things like that. So yeah, that's it. So uh, if you can help me out, I would be much appreciated. If you can't, don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Cheers now. Bye. Uh, my latest, uh, the, the, the latest uh, affiliate that I've got on the show now is Riverside. Um, I use Riverside to do my interviews in Riverside FM. Um, it kind of offers you a whole, if you like, micro studio management producer tool and, and, and goes beyond that. Has a really good free layer. <clears throat> and I, um, I've been using it for a while now. I find it really good when I've had issues, even though I'm not on one of the higher paid levels, the support has been quick, responsive and, and, and of high quality and, and people keen to help me. Uh, the organisation seems really good. The product seems really intuitive. Um, and uh, quality is really good as well. And they, it's, it's a clever way of doing it is when you're, you're recording through your browsers, so you've not got loads of desktop resources being used compared to some other products that I've used. Um, and what they also do is they do a, um, they stream a, a lower quality version of it up onto uh, as you're doing the interview, so you're not burning bandwidth while you're doing the interview and potentially uh, impacting on the quality of the conversation. Uh, and then at the end, it uploads it 
uh, the, the higher quality from your browser. Um, I mean, it, it's just a really good way of doing it. So, um, if you are um, thinking of doing a podcast and you're supposed to do a podcast, I, I would recommend using this tool. I find it really good. Best, best of the tools that I've tried using um, today. And you can get that nigelcreaser.com slash riverside and that will redirect you to uh, my kickback page uh, on their site and there I will get a little kickback uh, from them. So um, take a look. Thanks. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.